This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I am Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, Aaron. How's it going? I mean, I'm pretty good. I'm a little sick. Haven't been feeling that well, but... A little verklempt. Yeah, but I'm going to try to get it together for this episode. What have you been up to? You know, it's been a super busy week with me. You know, there's been a lot of Dragon Gate stuff, and there's been a lot more Dragon System added things to All Elite Wrestling. I'm really stoked to get into all that with y'all. Would you like to plug your podcast again? I feel like last time I plugged my podcast, I felt immediately bad about it. But yeah, <laughs> new Open the Voice Gate, a uh, friend of the show, Case Lowe was on. It was a good time. We talked about the uh, really good uh, Dead or Alive show and the upcoming tournament, and we talked about HBO sitcoms. It was a good time. Check it out. I'm just giving you a hard time. Everybody should check out Mike's podcast, Open the Voice Gate. Mike, of course, is not the only other host on this show. We are joined, as always, by Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron and Mike. Um, yeah, I'm the other host. Here I am. I'm ready to talk about AEW and have this all be rendered moot and out of date tomorrow when a shitload of uh, additional news happens, because that just seems to be the, the pace we're proceeding at now. Absolutely. Well, let's get into it. Make sure that you're subscribing to the show. You can get it one of two ways. There is the Everything Elite feed that you can get on the podcast app of your choice. You can also subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, and you will get our show along with all the other shows on the network. Make sure you're doing that, getting this show pretty much late every Thursday night, usually when we drop. And so make sure you're getting it as soon as it does. You can follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can follow me. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. And Mike is at Fuji Heya. Apparently not Heya, which I've been saying every time. But I'm just way too polite to correct you. That was very nice of you, Mike. I really appreciate that. I, I believe in friendship, and I believe that it was an honest mistake and nothing to be pointed out. Apparently a sumo thing that I, that I don't understand. So, For the record, I also believe in friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. As I mentioned, lots to talk about. We're going to talk about some new details about the AEW TV deal. We're going to talk about the deal that uh, AEW has made to broadcast Double or Nothing in the United Kingdom. A little bit of a rundown of where the Double or Nothing card stands uh, a little more than two weeks out. we got a couple of new talent signings, some rumors about talent. We have some AEW talents making big news in Japan, including one near and dear to my heart. And of course, as always, Nate will break down the most recent week's episode of Being the Elite. Let's get right to it. We will start with a deal that has been made, or at least is virtually done, between All Elite Wrestling and our pals at Turner and Warner Media. Uh, according to our buddy, friend of the show, Tony Maglio, Turner will announce, in conjunction with Warner Media's upfront, that they've struck a deal to show AEW's weekly wrestling show. Maglio reports that current plans call for the partnership to be announced through Select Press one hour before Warner Media's Wednesday upfront event. That'll be Wednesday next week. The arrangement made between the parties called for a small group of reporters to be informed of the agreement on an embargoed basis, basis the evening before. It also uh, reports that Tony Khan and some of the wrestlers are expected to be in attendance at the pitch to media buyers, which will happen at Madison Square Garden. That presentation begins at 10 a.m. New York City time. 
The show, as we've thought for a long time, is going to be this fall on TNT. Here's an interesting part. Financial terms of the deal are not expected to be disclosed as AEW is not a publicly traded company. Uh, Maglio also called back to his report last month about the negotiations between Turner and AEW, although doesn't mention his suggestion that it was going to be a time buy, which I think is interesting. But a lot of stuff here. So, Nate, what do you think uh, generally about this news other than that you know, we've kind of expected it for a long time? Yeah, nothing too surprising here. Um, I, we've sort of had an idea that it might be at the upfronts going back to Front Row Brian's tweet or report about that. Um, I guess the interesting thing to look ahead to is when or if we find out what the terms are for this deal, you have to imagine that if the terms are particularly favorable to AEW, and somebody's going to get that information to Dave because perceptions are very important in wrestling and people want to be perceived that they're you know doing well in a hot company. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if that shakes loose at some point here. Yeah, on that front, we did hear this week about the XFL TV rights deal. They're going to be on ESPN slash ABC and Fox. The deal called for $0 in rights but the networks would cover production costs and XFL would receive zero ad dollars. So I only mentioned that to <laughs> call in, you know, that we just, we've kind of been comparing some other deals. And so what you could kind of expect to see uh, AEW getting, I'm not sure. Well, Mike, do you think the XFL, L, woo, the XFL deal tells us anything about what the AEW deal might look like? I think in the greater scheme of things, it really doesn't other than LOL, XFL. So there is that. Uh, the thing that I think will be interesting is I these terms for AEW and Turner, I believe Turner is still a, a publicly owned company or Warner Media is. So there's a chance that if it's not leaked out immediately, that there might be some mention of it in a quarterly report from Turner or Warner Media. The XFL deal is perhaps one of the worst deals I've ever heard of just because not getting uh, any rights fees. Uh, my undergrad alma mater plays in the CAA. They just signed a deal that has much more money coming their way than Vince McMahon's about to get for the XFL. Go Canes. Well, this is my undergrad. This is Oh, Elon. sorry. Yeah. Go Phoenix. Elon. But, go Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just a bad deal. No matter way you look at it, Vince McMahon's expected to lose $300 million over the three years of this contract and not being able to have any sort of ad split money and having to rely on both your in-stadium ads and ticket sales. And this this generation is just terrible. Like The idea with rights fees are that you could promote the show you want to and the stadiums you want to, and you might not break even if you're like a wrestling show. You're not break break even with the gate, but you'll more so make it up with the TV deal. And I guess the more important thing for me is let's see if we are some of the favored me media members, because <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to is let's see how many people listen to the show. But yeah, give us that scoop, Tony. So my takeaway from the XFL thing is, well, I'm basically stealing this from, uh, from Nate, I guess, which is that, I was afraid when I saw the XFL terms announced, I was afraid that Nate was right 
that WWE had ruined professional wrestling uh, TV deals and or WWE. Did I say that correctly? The WWE had ruined professional wrestling TV deals and that we were seeing the AAF failed and then the XFL was getting this awful deal. I was like, oh, crap. What if it's true that these negotiations are ongoing? AEW is going to get a really bad deal, which I don't care about what kind of deal they get. I just want there to be other professional wrestling. But my sense is, I go back to this, I think this deal has been done for a very long time. So even whatever's happened recently, I'm not sure that it had any impact because I think the the ink had already dried on the deal months ago, many months ago. Uh, do you think I'm wrong about that, Nate? I think that's a pretty likely possibility of the two possibilities, being that it's either true or not true. Um <laughs> I'd give it to true on a slim margin. Uh, you know, I don't know about the mechanics of agreeing to television deals. Dave always gives the impression that, oh, you know, nothing's ever certain in TV until, you know, it's actually done. Um, but, you know, none of this new news is contrary to what we'd been led to believe, you know, going on five months ago now. So, um, yeah, you hope the, hope the ink is dry. Because uh, the bloom might be off the rose, as I think we discussed last week on live programming, um, propping up these stations as you know, all viewers sort of scatter <laughs> uh, across all interests. You know. So the question now is, what night is this television show going to be on? So the first inkling that we got was that AEW obtained a trademark, or at least applied for a trademark for Tuesday Night Dynamite, which I think is a terrible name for a show. They didn't ask me to name it. And so the thought has long been that it would be on Tuesday nights. So how does TNT change that calculus? I've looked at the TNT schedule a little bit. And being an NBA fan, I know that Thursday is the big night for NBA games. They do do Tuesday players only broadcasts, which are really terrible and involve People not at the game commentating on the game from a studio, but you can only commentate if you played in the NBA. And those begin uh, in late January. At least they did the last two seasons. So not we're just talking about, you know, January through March. So not a long time. Uh, One of their big properties, I guess, because they have a ton of ads for it, is Animal Kingdom. That is getting ready to start and does play on Tuesday nights. And I I guess something to think about is it would get weird during the NBA playoffs because there are going to be games on Tuesday nights, but there are also going to be games on just about every other night of the week when the playoffs come around. So I don't know. I mean, they're not going to be on Thursday night. I feel confident about that. I'd be shocked to see them on Monday night competing head to head with raw. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday. Uh, I don't know that it's important anyway, but, uh, I still, I'm still leaning toward Tuesday. So there was the report from the initial rap thing where they were talking about possibly it being a time by that there might also be some sort of seasonal structure, which Dave uh, debunked or denied and said, no, there's not going to be seasons, but you know, there may be a situation where, you know, it, it, it's off for a few weeks or maybe it's preempted or, or moved somewhere. That could be what we would see if it's on Tuesday and then the NFL or NBA playoffs roll around. 
you know, maybe they bump it over to TBS while the NBA playoffs are happening, or maybe that's just their brief little off season as they take those few weeks off for the NBA playoffs to happen. Um, so that's a, a possibility and would kind of fit with, uh, what Dave had. Just want to be clear that the NBA playoffs go from April through June. <laughs> yeah. That'd okay. be a long time. That's too long. <laughs> that's too long. <laughs> I guess like the other thing that you could offer as a solution here is the long rumored uh, BR live format and their OTT service that so they could always say, okay, it's going to be on BR live for during the playoffs. If that's, if that's a hindrance as well. I mean, there's, yeah, we've just, we've seen from TNA that yeah. when you get moved around, it costs you a lot of uh, your audience. So I would be, terrified of that i'm not i don't think the seasonal thing or taking a little bit of time off i don't think mm -hmm. that's a bad idea i don't think yes i get that having a habit of someone who they can turn in every x night uh, each week to watch the show is good but people do get burned out so i don't think there's i don't think it's all the way bad i don't think you'll lose a ton of audience by sure. taking a few weeks off even a month off at a time yeah it also uh just gives you a little more structure to build around like you can build up to a big final show like a double or nothing before you start getting preempted or, or bumped off the time slot and then you know as the nba finals or the nba playoffs are heating up toward the end of that period you can say hey the actual season premiere of aew is back at this time at this date you know on this channel that you're watching and kind of you know gives you like a more traditional seasonal format which you know, we've seen when a wrestling company just has an infinite schedule of upcoming events that it's easy for them all to feel the same and not have any sort of uh, specialness attached to them. So it could sort of help in that regard. Yeah, and they wouldn't have to take off all of April through June because once you get to the finals, that's on ABC exclusively. And when you get to the conference finals, it's much more defined when the games are going to be. And there is a... A split there. TNT's not getting all of those games. I forget exactly how that split works out, but it's more predictable. So they can certainly work around that if they just want to take off, you know, a little bit of April, a little bit of May and get back going. But I, I still, I like the Tuesday night idea, uh, but we'll see where it goes. I guess we'll, maybe we'll find out at the, at the upfronts what night it's going to be. But the I most imagine we will. Yeah, I was gonna say the most important thing now is that we could pretty much start speculating which members of inside the NBA and the starters are we doing promo and doing like just general like live reads about all elite wrestling. I'm really excited to find out just like who Shaquille O'Neal or Charles Barkley care about. It'll be really interesting. This has to lead to the starters discussing AEW, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, if AEW one makes Vince a little upset and two gets the starters to stop talking about the WWE, then it's a success no matter what happens, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Other news that we have as far as TV goes, although I don't know how many of our listeners this is relevant to, Double or Nothing is going to be on ITV in the UK. They announced that uh, it will the pay-per-view portion will be there. Uh, although I guess it's ITV four, which isn't as sad as it sounds. Apparently that's a very big station. They also announced, and I'll get into that a little more. They also announced that there will be a one hour pre-show called buy-in, uh, which will air at midnight UK time. 
that will feature the Casino Battle Royale, as well as a singles match between Sammy Guevara and Kip Sabian. Uh, we don't know yet about the pay-per-view portion of the show in the United States, uh, though I expect we're going to find out uh, with the Warner Media announcement. I expect that it's going to be on the VR Live platform, which we've discussed previously. Uh, but also, of course, it will be available on your regular uh, pay-per-view type uh, providers. The suggested price point is $49.95, but the local companies, not the promotion, will set the price. So there's been a yeah. lot of discussion about that already. Uh, AEW is not charging $60 for this pay-per-view. Yeah, they have very little negotiating with that. It's often the carriers like In Demand, Uverse that set these price points. They can negotiate a little bit, but it's really like, oh, you want to go 60 or $65 because we're not going to go that high. And to my understanding, I have not ordered a Impact pay-per-view before, but to my understanding that Impact's in-demand prices are similar, and I might be very wrong on that, but it oh. seems like that this is kind of par for the course for just cable pay-per-views at this point. And so, um, the announcements have not been made officially, but Dave did say that outside of the U.S. and U.K., he does expect that it'll be on Fight, the Fight app, Fight TV. So um, it's maybe getting frozen out by their own OTT service here and on ITV in the U.K., but that's probably where you want to be looking at it if you're, you know, in France. Also want to be clear, there's a misunderstanding about whether AEW can undercut traditional pay-per-view on a streaming service, which they can. They can charge less than the $49.95 or whatever for that to be streamed somewhere else. So uh, I, I guess that's a problem that WWE had at some point, but that's yeah. not a problem related to this show. Yeah, the, the thing is, is if you do that, then the carriers are going to drop you for your next show. Like, that's just kind of how it goes there. So, But it is an option. You can do it. It just doesn't usually end well if you're trying to be on traditional cable pay-per-view. I'm not sure they care, but yeah. we'll, we'll find out. I think that's a dead uh, dead platform, but we'll see. So ITV4, here's the important part about ITV4. It is uh, on rough in roughly 95% or more of the homes in the UK. Uh, depending on the week, it's ranked somewhere between 12th and 18th most watched channel in the UK, and its highest rated shows do about 400,000 viewers. The station is a male-oriented station. This is coming from Dave, I believe. Oh, I did some research. Yeah, I'm not Yeah, I did some research into ITV4. Yes. It, well, let me, let me finish this oh, yeah, one sure, part. Sorry. It's a male-oriented station with a lot of secondary sports events live, as well as old police and detective shows and action movies, <laughs> which is very good. Uh, it's a significantly more popular station than what WWE or Impact are on. And uh, AEW would be expected to draw more viewers than Raw or SmackDown. Doesn't necessarily mean they would have more customers. Uh, WWE shows almost always do well under 100,000 viewers, usually under 50,000 on Sky. Last point here, the UK deal was put together by Tony Khan, who lives much of the time in the UK because of his role with the Fulham soccer team. The side started talking at first around December and negotiations got more serious over the last few months. So that's mostly Dave's reporting on uh, that deal. But yes, it's going to be on ITV4. Yeah, ITV4 has like a bunch of Columbo reruns, which is great. And the sports they have are what I would consider our British dad sports. A whole lot of snooker, a lot of darts. I think they do bowling there as well. 
So I think it's a tremendous station. I want to watch the darts, and I think it's I think it's interesting that they're going to classify AEW as sports when they were the ones who did the world of sport programming that put WWE in such a tizzy over the last few years, and that was just classified as like general entertainment, and that was just like I think Saturday or Sunday afternoon. So it's interesting that they're even though it starts because of the time change so late, it's still getting the sports classification versus being seen as entertainment. I think that's kind of cool. And ITV set up an ITV wrestling Twitter feed. I don't know if that means they're planning to get more into pro wrestling, but. Well, I think it in, in that they are most likely going to be the UK TV source for AEW. If that means getting into more wrestling, then yeah. I mean, that would be my guess. Right. You don't, you don't think they're also going to get into other uh, area. No, other. I mean, you look at, you look at the account and it's basically an AEW account. It follows all the AEW wrestlers and staff. It's all branded with an AEW header image and everything. This is, I think kind of tipping that, Oh, this is the ITV's AEW account. And I would imagine that's the, uh, you know, uh, spectrum of their wrestling. Yeah. One last point on the ITV deal. Aja Kong is on the ITV poster. So I guess we can take from that that she's going to be at the show. There has been some question in the last couple of weeks, like, are we having visa issues? Because there hasn't been much mention of her or Yuka Sakazaki since they were first announced. But this would lead you to believe that they anticipate that Aja Kong is going to be on the show. Let's talk a little more about Double or Nothing, since we are getting kind of close to it. Uh, let's talk about the Road to Double or Nothing most recent episode, number 15 little rundown of that here quickly. It starts with Chris Jericho in Cody's office. He's kicking stuff off the desk. He's reading Cody's kid's book in a very dismissive manner, I must say. Uh, Cody comes in. QT says, hey, he's in your office. And Cody you know, cuts a promo at, at Jericho about, hey, we have shown you that we value you. You're the highest paid guy in the promotion, et cetera, et cetera. Jericho does his normal spiel about, uh, you know, every – Everybody who has anything related to AEW owes it to me. Uh, he does change it a little slightly uh, by saying that if he beats uh, Omega, he should get a public thank you from the promotion. Uh, Cody says, yeah, here's your thank you in a genuine way, but then tells him uh, to get his shit and get the fuck out of his office. And that <laughs> this is a very weird part. This leads to Jericho attacking QT and... Then uh, taking QT's apple and eating part of it, but making very sure to bite where QT had not yet bitten, which I thought was funny. I enjoyed uh, that uh, you kind of got wacky dad rock, weirdly goth Jericho, like grounded in the real world here, um, especially coming off what we'll talk about later with the New Japan appearance. Uh, but he's kind of like this big character. And this is like, oh, yeah, no, he's like wearing the leather jacket and gloves and shit all the time. He's like going to meetings in this. That was kind of amusing <laughs> to me. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I fully appreciate and stand uh, goth dad rock Jericho in all fashions. Apparently, I saw on Twitter that there was a estate sale going on that he was hosting. And I want to imagine that he was just standing in the corner, just scowling the entire time as people were going through like his DVD collection. So very weird. This was also the first time I've thought that something on road to double or nothing was uh, poorly lit. Yeah, it was a little janky. Hmm. 
Yeah, just because, I mean, it was partly due to Jericho's hat, but they knew he was wearing the hat when they mm-hmm. filmed the scene. So they perhaps should have lit him a little better. It was a very like when Shawn Michaels would come out on WWE TV and he has to wear the hat because of the eye thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we can't see your face, Sean. So reset the key light guys. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Then we go to a segment of Britt Baker, Brandy Rhodes and Penelope Ford doing a photo shoot by a pool in bikinis. I have nothing more to say about that. Pac has a promo. He's talking about hangman. He says, uh, hangman is a, is not a Rolling Stone and is gathering moss. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking owned. Pac rules. <laughs> Just like the stylization of this too, where they, they've made a big deal about how he's been presented. And that's obviously was something that was filmed backstage in Dragon Gate. He was, I love this promo, but of course you expect me to say that. I thought that he was great. The, the moss comment was tremendous and I'm all for this match. Like, it was, it's been a couple of weeks since we really had anything from Pac for this, and I'm glad we got this little promo here. Yeah, great promo. Pac um, just fully inhabits the bastard character. He's the only star the WWE made in like the last, I don't know, six years or something. So this kicked ass. He's like a great promo now, which is funny because that was the knock on him in like NXT or whatever. But uh, yeah, you totally believe he believes every word of what he's saying here. Um and I want to see him beat Adam Page's ass. Wow. Swerve. Yeah. I like Pac a lot. Oh, but you're a big Hangman Page fan. I was the first guy to get in on Hangman Page. You can check the timeline. The first guy to buy in on Hangman Page. Um, I, I crowned him a big star when he did that. Uh, the super crazy moonsault and uh, the Hammerstein. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not Hangman's time to get to that level just yet anyway we want to see him continue to uh, chase and elevate interesting Pac did mention uh, that he is undefeated in 20 matches 20 months 20 months is that what he said yes yeah okay 20 months he's undefeated I don't know how many matches he's wrestled in those 20 months he's more than 20 I think yeah (laughs) he's he was on tour or he's on a tour of Dragon Gate through the end of this week and if he's in the match he's the one taking the fall he has not dropped a single fall in Dragon Gate since he's been back as said in his promo. Well, yeah, when you take the fall, you get pinned. Right. Right. Yeah, the point is, since he left WWE, he has not taken a fall. He has not Correct. been pinned or submitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, and he pretty much mercs people in Dragon Gate. It rules. So then we get some footage from Southern Honor Wrestling where Cody showed up. He was announced as showing up uh, this past weekend, I guess. And we see him coming out with Pharaoh and an assumption I've always had is that Pharaoh can't like these big crowds and all the noise. I mean, he's a dog after all. And Pharaoh, he ducks under the bottom rope and runs to the back uh, because he's probably scared from all these people. And this is a lot smaller than like all in or this other stuff he comes out to. It makes me very sad. Yeah, the, so they did this same event. It's also covered in BTE, so I may as well like talk about it here because this footage was a lot better than the BTE stuff. They had some cool little uh, testimonials from people leaving the show to just talk about how great the fucking show was. Uh, and, it, you know, it all looked very professional and uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so Cody says this is going to be his last stop on the indies before AEW really gets started. He announces that Dustin Thomas, the guy who was at spring break who does not have legs, 
is going to be in what was formerly known as the Over the Budget Battle Royal. And we get a quick little feature on Dustin Thomas, basically just talking about how he has uh, been this way his entire life and how he just wanted to be a pro wrestler and how excited he is, you know, that he's getting this big opportunity. So it's a good little feature. Not that you need a lot to gain sympathy for this guy. But no, but again, this has been really good at telling the human stories on the Road 2 shows and like showing you who the characters behind the characters are. And so you can sort of carry that forward into the, the sports entertaining. And then we get Cody breaking down the rules of the Casino Battle Royale, which I thought was interesting because they also break down the rules in BTE, right? Yeah, but they just, uh, again, they just did it better here than they did in BTE. They had nice looking graphics and and Cody uh, gave it a lot more color with the whole casino theme. But would you not assume that anyone who watches BTE also watches? Well, I guess not. This doesn't get as many views, right? No, it doesn't. But would you assume that anyone who watches this also watches BTE? Probably. Yeah, so I just find it interesting. But you're right. This was uh, better done, uh, better produced. So, and there's a little bit of news here, I think, which is that Cody says that the prize, which we've uh, speculated about for the Casino Battle Royale, is going to be the first shot at the newly crowned AEW World Champion. We're not told how that person's going to be crowned, but I, I took from this that whoever wins this is going to be the first number one contender. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and yeah, they also, he he colored it, like I said, with the casino theme being, he says they're going to deal out a pack of cards to the entrance in the Battle Royale, uh, and the people will enter the match by which suit they drew. Um, I like that it's first a casino Battle Royale, because I always used to say Battle Royale when I was talking about Battle Royals in wrestling, because I think that's what it was called in WCW versus NWO World Tour. Uh, and Battle Royale just sounds cooler. I think now people probably take that from that, like Fortnite and shit. But um, and then yeah, they whoever gets the Joker card comes in number twenty-one. Uh, I'm interested to see like it's going to be interesting to see how this goes because people don't know the theme music for anybody really. Maybe Adam Page because he has a generic uh, or 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 you know music library theme music. Um, but everybody else we don't really know, so I'm wondering. Maybe we get like a vignette of somebody being dealt a blackjack and they're number 21 and, you know, they pull up and reveal who it is or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like that they've gone the extra mile with theming this after the casino gambling stuff. It gives it more color being in Vegas. They're doing the same with like the Fighter Festival in Daytona. It just, you know, again, it gives you the great WCW vibes where every show was like distinct and you had Halloween Havoc or Road Wild or whatever it is. And there's a little more footage from the Southern Honor Wrestling Show, but we'll, we'll get more into that, I think, in the in the BTE breakdown. I kind of want to go straight from that into who we know is going to be in the Battle Royal. Battle Royale, I'm sorry. So we have Jimmy Havoc, Billy Gunn, MJF, Michael Nakazawa, Jungle Boy, Glacier, Sonny Kiss, Joey Janela, Ace Romero, Dustin Thomas, Brandon Cutler, Sunny Days, Brian Pillman Jr., and maybe Trent Beretta, Chucky e. T. I count 13 people if you don't count Trent and uh, Chucky. E. Yeah, so that's a good amount left to flesh out, have some surprises there. I have to imagine that whoever's 21 might be a surprise. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think we get a, a blackjack being dealt at a table and we pull up and see it's John Moxley. Called shot. 
Put it on the board. Lock it in. Okay. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, do you think any of these people could be the Joker? But clearly you don't. Oh, I think it's definitely oh. Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> what if it's John Moxley in Joker makeup? Damn it. That's where I was going next, mate. <laughs> Beat you. Which Joker, though? Uh, let's see. Moxley. Moxley would be a Ledger Joker guy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Now, as soon as I said it, I realized how much of a dumb dick thing for me to say. <laughs> um, quickly, also about Double or Nothing, we did find out there's going to be a weigh-in and press conference May 24, the day before, at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're talking about the card a little bit here, but we'll do a full preview, just like not now, on another one of the other. I guess there's two episodes left before Double or Nothing, so one of those will feature a full preview. So, but here's uh, the matches that we know. Headline, of course, by Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. We have the Young Bucks defending the AAA tag titles against Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. Hangman Page versus Pac. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, SCU versus Shima, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann, which we just found out about this week. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray. And uh, this is from Dave. He notes there will probably be a couple of matches added. There will be a Japanese women's match in some form. At one point, the match was going to be Aja Kong versus Yuka Sakazaki, but that is not confirmed. There's also talk of a high-flying match being added with international stars. Uh, Dave says, Iho del Vikingo. 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 Was slotted for double or nothing at one point, but now uh, that guy's booked on a AAA TV taping the same day. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything, to be honest. <laughs> right. AAA, you know, could have just fucked that up. So Yeah, yeah. It, it really could just be that they have them there. I mean, there's so many times that AAA has posted what their TV taping schedule is. And I can't remember the last time that they've delivered the entire show as advertised. So Dave says that, but trust your good old friend, Mike Spears. We'll see. We'll see. There's still a chance that we might get the Hio Del Vikingo there. Yeah, so we still need something with Aja Kong and something with Yuka Sakazaki. I mean, they were very clearly sold as they're going to be on Double or Nothing. For sure. Are there other, can you guys think of anybody else who like we know is supposed to be on this show? I mean, it looks like we're going to learn about I this more like, in BTE. Uh, I feel like Ikaru like might have been said to best friends are in the Battle Royal, except they're not. Right. But I think when Hikaru Shida was announced, I think they might have specifically mentioned Double or Nothing. Ah, well, that makes sense, right? That could mean... That they're going to turn that into a tag uh, with all Japanese women. Yeah, that's a possibility. I guess we would need a fourth. It I could mean, be Rio. It could be Rio. Uh, okay, yeah. We'll talk about it a little later. Yeah, uh, B Priestley, when she was initially announced, was mentioned for Fight for the Fallen, but we'll see how those things have changed in a little bit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, The I did mention this slightly, but I just wanted to uh, get Mike's take on this. We did find out that Shima's tag partners at Double or Nothing are going to be T-Hawk and L. Lindemann. Yeah, it's been kind of a moving topic of who was going to be Shima's partners from OWE. Originally, it looked like it was going to be Chinese students. There might, there's been some issues about that. So he went with kind of his two big protégés. T-Hawk, of course, came from Dragon Gate as well as L. Lindemann. T-Hawk's been... In wrestling for about 10 years, he was in Battle of Los Angeles last year. He is the current uh, Wrestle One champion, and he, since he's left the promotion, I believe he also was on was a part of the Triangle team in DDT. L. Lindemann 
debuted in 2014. He's really cool. He, he This is really kind of his first big international exposure. So I'm really stoked about it. So it's going to be like the proper Stronghearts team, not an OWE team there. And it makes me think we'll probably see both of them a lot more going forward. So I, we'll probably see them on Fight for the Fallen if Shima's going to be facing... Uh, if Shima's going to be facing Kenny Omega on that show, there's good chance we'll see those two probably as a tag team somewhere. Yeah, and this probably has at least a little to do with visa issues. Yeah, yeah, it's got to do with visas from what I understand. All right, we've also found out a little bit about, uh, a little bit more, I think I talked about this last week, about the Suburban Fight Show that's going to be after Double or Nothing at the Sahara Event Center at 11.59 p.m. Headlining match is Darby Allen versus Nick Gage, but we got a new match announced today. Marco Stunt versus Priscilla Kelly versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, so uh, this is this is like in the in the Lauderdale verse, which is a subset of the Cody verse. Um, so we know Darby's in town, but would they want him working another event the same night of Double or Nothing if he was also on Double or Nothing? Hard to say. Um, but yeah, if you're going to the show and don't want to go to the Whitney Wright Blue Chew after party, then this uh, this is a more violent option. Well, if I'm thinking Darby, we know that Darby takes on Cody at one of the shows. Which show is that? Fighter Fest. Fighter is that Fest. the one that comes next? No, it's the third show. Okay. Mike's got the facts, as, as always. He does. So surely that's not going to be Darby's first appearance, right? Could be. I don't know. They could do an angle. I mean, I, I don't know if you could do an angle here because it's a big like blow-off match for Cody in a way. Mm-hmm. So you probably want that to settle without running an angle right on it. Yeah, and we were just talking about the Casino Battle Royale. He could be 21. He could be one of the people announced for to be like a, a surprise appearance there. So there's still a chance for Darby to show up on the show. Yeah, I, th- I think I like Nate's idea about Mox. I do think Darby would be a reasonable person to be the 21st entrant. Yeah, I mean, they're really putting a big spotlight on that 21st spot. You know? Sure. I just, I just don't, uh, I mean, I love He's Darby. not a big enough star? No, I mean, they're like, he's, they're, they're, gonna, they're giving a, one, one person in this match gets their own entrance. It's going to be CM Punk, obviously. I mean, you know, not the most absurd suggestion. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, some new talent that we've heard about and some some potential rumors. We do know for sure that Angelico and Jack Evans have signed with All Elite Wrestling. You probably know them from Lucha Underground. You may know them from PWG or elsewhere. Uh, but I don't know. They're all right for like a match or two. Not that excited about them. Oh, I'm stoked. <laughs> well, I like Jack Evans a lot more than I like Angelico. This is certainly, it's uh, Angelico and Jack Evans... Together is better than a helico alone. I think that's yeah, that's yeah. That's fair. that's totally fair. Uh, Jack Evans is real interesting because he is the first ever big Dragon Gate Gaijin that was brought over by Shima. Shima saw him in two thousand and six and two thousand and five. Was like, oh, I want this skinny kid who can do flips. And at the same time, you have a helico. He was pretty much Ultimo Dragon's last student of any sort of substance before Torimon Mexico disappeared. So. It's kind of crazy now we're getting a lot of different facets of the dragon system here and i think that's gonna be fun i think that's we, we were talking a couple weeks ago about tag teams now suddenly we have a fully fledged tag team division especially with the gueros del cielo so i'm stoked for them nate do you want to do your hunk take here or 
Uh, well, my my original take before Jack was also announced was that I'm not like super high on Hanhelico's work as a singles, like you know, totally competent, um, but nothing that I was jumping out of bed for. But he does probably corner the hunk market better than anybody else on the roster right now. Like we know Cody's like a handsome battle level guy, but uh, you know, just doesn't have like a hunk energy and he's like very married. So and Helico, I think, really plays to that audience uh in a way that I don't know. Well, I guess Hangman Page. Hangman Page is right up there. They could have a hunk off. Yeah, but and I hate this, but Angelico is a lot bigger than Hangman Page. He looks yeah. very long. He's a long boy. He's lanky. He's one of those guys. Here's how you know that he's very hot is that when I first saw him, I was like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> like, I hope he dies. I hope he gets hurt in this match. I just hate him. So he's obviously hot. Uh, Riho from Gato Move is, is all elite. She's in. Uh, apparently, according to Dave, she has agreed to do five dates, basically to get a sense of whether she likes working in, in the United States. She, I believe, was famously involved in some matches with Kenny in Gato Move uh, many years ago, although that also may have been her sister. I read about this, and now I'm conf- I've confused myself about uh, which person that was. But regardless, she's coming to All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, I don't uh, know Riho at all, but they tipped this in being the elite um, as well. And it was also tipped on Twitter. I, I, I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago when uh, she revealed in one of the Japanese wrestling magazines that she had interviewed with them. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that really follow the Joshi scene were saying, well, you know, Hikaru Shido, I'm Hikaru Shida. And, you know, Kenny talking about Gato move like. Riho is probably the logical conclusion to draw there, and that's what we are apparently seeing. Yeah, this is a continuation of Kenny's apparent real dedication to looking in and, and scouring a bit the uh, Joshi scene. He's not taking the most obvious people. I don't think Gato Move isn't like the biggest promotion, but he seems to be, well, you could just say he's taking people that he's familiar with, but he also is apparently getting people who are very good. And not just, if you look at some of the American names, which I know there's a lot of difference in the talent pool, it's more like, okay, this person is hot this person's hot. And by that, I mean popular and, you know, buzzworthy. And the Joshi that they're taking, it seems more like this person is really good. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they push the Japanese talent, how they use the Japanese talent and uh, just how this all kind of melds together. It's probably the part of AEW, I'm most excited about is seeing how the women's division uh, pans out. Yeah, you know, we uh, like had joked about it in the first episode, but this really is like as close as you can get to an American wrestling promotion that's also of the Dragon system and a Joshi promotion. (laughs) It really is hitting all those uh, quadrants. It's kind of worked out really well there. And I think this is interesting if I'm right. Is Riho the one? No, that's Ramu. Sorry. I was thinking about the one that did 666 when she was like seven with her dad. And we'll always wear goth makeup. I, I, I'm new to the Joshi scene, so I'm going to shut up now. It's okay. Some uh, non-wrestling talent that we know. Jerry Lynn has joined the promotion. They called him Coach Jerry Lynn. <laughs> you all missed Mike uh, giving us some very fun uh, devil horns. It's right a Jerry Lynn. He just goes, boo, all the time with the devil horns. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, so I guess he's going to be either backstage or as part of 
their maybe wrestling school that exists because uh, they called him a coach. So I don't know. We'll see what that is. And Rick Knox is in. He's going to, I assume, be a referee. <laughs> uh, surprising no one. Yeah, th- that's a two good hires. I think Jerry Lynn was with Ring of Honor up until last year doing producing roles. And n- I've never heard anyone have anything negative to say about Jerry Lynn. He's kind of seen as everyone's fun uncle and everyone thinks he's an absolute sweetheart and is super smart. So if he's going to be a road agent of all the people that could be hiring as road agents is like former WWE guys. Jerry Lynn is a great hire in my mind. And Rick Knox is probably one of the three best uh, referees working today. He did Lucha Underground and he got hurt during Lucha Underground, but now he's doing this. And I guess between him and Bryce Rimsburg, they've kind of got the two big independent referees. So they've done well in that regard, I would say. Rumored talent. Uh, looks like Tennille Dashwood is probably going to join the promotion. She... So, note ahead. on that. Um, so I uh, put this in here because noticed that the ITV wrestling account was following, uh, as I previously mentioned, all AEW talent and also smack dab in the middle was Tennille Dashwood for some reason. Um, tweeted that out. Uh, Rover retweeted it. It's They've now stopped following her. So somebody uh, yes. told them to not do that, or maybe it was a mistake in the first place. Who can say? Um, but she, I, Robert also said that she has the same agent as Cody and Brandy, so he expected this uh, would be forthcoming. Um, as we previously discussed with her, makes sense as far as being a marquee women's name who, uh, you know, is capable in the ring and, you know, has all the other uh, uh, appealing qualities that you want to have in a pushed talent. So, um, uh, not confirmed, very unconfirmed, and they've tried to back away from it, but still sort of pointing in the direction that she might be inbound. So she seems to have finished up with Ring of Honor recently. She seems to be healthy. She had a really bad psoriasis issue, and that seems to have resolved, or at least she has it managed. And it, I mean, it's just, a, it makes sense as a landing spot. I don't, I mean, not to ever doubt, friend of the show, Rover. I don't really buy the agent thing as a big deal in pro wrestling. Yeah, it's not, not sure. Certainly not as big as it would be in the NBA. Right, right. So I, I don't know about that, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if she ends up in AEW. In fact, it's kind of the only place that makes sense. All right. This is kind of talent adjacent news. So Chris Jericho is going to be returning to New Japan Pro Wrestling to challenge Kazuchika Okada at their Dominion event in June. So... Uh, that's interesting. Apparently they also updated uh, Kenny Omega's profile on the new Japan pro wrestling website. I didn't add that note. I don't know what that means. And I'm- yeah, they, uh, they added a new blurb <laughs> under his uh, profile on the roster. That was basically like, will we see Kenny Omega in, in new Japan again? Mm. Um, and you know, everybody's pointed out Kenny and Jericho are still on that page. They took off the young bucks and Cody. So we can sort of gauge where new Japan's new Japan's priorities are um, with regard to the elite guys. Um, but yeah, uh, continue on with what you were saying about Jericho. Yeah, I guess just the interesting thing here is that Jericho is going back to New Japan in a big spot. He's going to be challenging for the IWGP heavyweight title. He went there and shot a big angle. So it's interesting in that he's going to be featured there, although he's probably going to continue just doing like minimal dates like he has before. But now we know that that's back on. And I don't know what this says about any sort of relationship between the two. I kind of think it doesn't say anything. It says more about Jericho and his uh, contractual 
what he's worked out in his uh, contract with the two companies. But it's going to be interesting to see how they, since they won't be working together, how they play off each other and if it has any uh, effect on the other company. You got to worry most about AEW since they're the smaller, less established company about whether something like Jericho Okada uh, outshines something like the Jericho Omega match that's set up. So I really think the fun part of this is um, how we can project what this means for match finishes, because we've been led to believe that wins and losses will be important in this promotion. Um, Stands to reason, you know, Kenny's got one win over Jericho. You might put Jericho over in the double or nothing match and have them go even here and establish that, you know, Jericho's the guy we're paying the most money. He's also going to be one of our top pushed acts. Um, I just think it's interesting. You know, does New Japan think that Jericho is the guy that needs to win to maintain his status as a top headlining act in Japan? You know, he's lost to Naito and lost to Kenny in his previous appearances. Um, it has like the, the win over evil and his first win over Naito. Um, I don't know. You know, it, does that mean it's a foregone conclusion that he's meeting to Okada? New Japan usually doesn't want to tip their hand like that. I just think it would be fucking fascinating if Chris Jericho won the IWGP title. And then you've got that sort of playing out politically. I don't think it's likely, but it would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that angle, which is that like if the two companies aren't friendly at all, wouldn't you want to beat Jericho to send him into this Okada match? Yeah, I, well, I guess so, except do you want to do that just to spite a company that you want to be friendly with? Probably not. Like you right, probably want you to say Kenny Omega, you can continue to say Kenny Omega is on the same level as Okada, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to have Jericho beat Omega and then Jericho lose to Okada. No, you wouldn't. Um, that seems like the most likely thing to happen if I were to you know, uh, go all in on it. Um, I, we can't do that. I'm not going to, I'm going to get out of the habit of putting their, <laughs> their branding <laughs> phrases in here. Um, but I, I just, you know, if Jericho wins, then we can look forward to like Tanahashi feuds and a Suzuki feud or something. And, you know, we can threaten to take the belt to AEW and never bring it back and all that fun stuff. So that'd be good. I, yeah. I guess what, what I normally see, and this is true of the Jericho feuds is that new Japan does, three match series, right? So you would almost expect Jericho to win this match and then ultimately lose to Okada in the end. Yeah. I guess it really depends on how many more dates they think they can get on Jericho. Um, right. They also got to get the title off of him before uh, January. <laughs> yeah. Dave, um, I think said that he was getting a hundred thousand dollars per match from new Japan. So Ooh. they're not, you know, they, they gave him the evil match to be like a holdover defense which was like, you know, cool, but they're not going to be in the habit of doing that. They're going to put him in big matches against top guys on their biggest shows. It's it's just interesting to me. I I am still of the opinion that because of the other parts of each of these companies' relationships that I'm not I'm not led to believe that there's going to immediately be a, a lot of working together, but as Nate said, the idea of of Jericho coming in to Fighter Fest or fight or Fighter Fest or Fight to the Fallen or whatever the next event is with the IWGP title is very interesting to me. I think that there's a lot of compelling different directions both of those companies can go with Jericho as champion. And Jericho's probably not gonna be in the G1, so it's okay if he goes says AEW stuff during the meantime. 
They almost oh, have people to would work be so together. mad. People would be so mad. <laughs> like people were mad enough when he had the intercontinental title and wasn't there for the G one. If he yeah. had the 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 heavyweight title and wasn't there, you know, people would be shitting their pants. I'm just put that out in the universe. Let's just see what happens. I would love that. it. It would be hilarious. Don't they have to work together though? I mean, only for uh, scheduling, really. I think. But like, if Jericho wins, if Jericho beats Okada, they would have to feel confident that Jericho wasn't going to be losing to whoever. At some yeah. AEW, I, I think El Lindemann should beat him and then become IWGP <laughs> heavyweight number one contender. I mean, sure. make them have to bring the briefcase over there. Sure. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that New Japan is as careful about it because Mike Elgin took a lot of stupid losses while he was IC champion. I mean, that's the lesser belt, but um, worth observing. Um, and they might also are uh, conclude or assume that you know, only the WWE would be dumb enough to beat Chris Jericho all the time. Like any other company is going to have Chris Jericho win the matches that he's in. So they can probably put the belt on him in confidence that, you know, he's not going to go lose to fucking Fandango. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's fascinating though. Um, I, yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. All right. The, now the uh, championship change that I'm much more interested in be Priestley is your new stardom red belt champion. Now, the the interesting thing, so she beats Kagetsu at uh, a recent show during Golden Week. Uh, surprising, almost uh, everyone, really. Uh, but the interesting thing came after the match when in a, a post-match promo, she commented that everyone thinks I'm going to AEW in America, but actually I'm moving to Japan in June as a full-time stardom roster member. So a few things here. One, she kind of like almost dismissively makes this comment about AEW. And it's like, B, the reason we think you're going to AEW is because you were in a road to double or nothing where you uh, agreed that you would come to uh, AEW. <laughs> so, and like, I kind of think she's been full-time with Stardom for a while. She's been on like every tour. Uh, whether she's moving to Japan, I don't know. Yeah, um, they've but- been teasing going to Japan for like three years now. Yeah, it just seems weird that, like, I mean, Stardom pushed this on their social, like, B is moving to Japan. Uh, but I, I feel like AEW would be less interested in flying uh, B from Japan to America for shows. I don't know that she's that big of a star, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I keep, I guess I've said this about everything the past few minutes on this show, but I'm interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, that's your catchphrase, maybe. Yeah, at least it seems like date-wise, even after shows start, from my understanding, Stardom has six to nine shows a month about, and then AEW at most is probably going to have five shows a month with TV, or six if it's a five-week month. It's not outside their own possibility. I did also see a tweet that was translated that from Japanese that said that she'd be intermittently in AEW, so it could be around big events. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how this plays out because this was kind of a a total surprise. Not only the title change, she came out new gear, had boots that said type that said Top Gaijin on them, which insulted me because the Top Gaijin, of course, is Rebel Kill. So <laughs> a little offended there, a little offended there. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting how this plays out. Oh, I'm, now you're taking his catchphrase. What the fuck? <laughs> Come on, it, Mike. Sorry, I don't know what my catchphrase would be, and I just hear that and repeat what I, I hear. I, the catchphrase you seem to be getting over is, it's your old pal Mike Spears. Okay, yeah, that's your that's, catchphrase. That's, All right, that's, that's my catchphrase. Sorry, well, yeah, your old pal, Mike <laughs> You're Spears. saying like it's a surprise. You've obviously been trying to get it over. 
I honestly haven't. I will say it's over because uh, SB refers to you as your old pal, Mike Spears. There you go. It's okay, over, cool. I guess. Yeah, right on. I don't know. It's, it's kind of easy to get stuff over with SB. No, <laughs> wow. no, uh, no. It's not a shot. It's a you know nice quality. Um, so <laughs> I'm interested, I'm interested <laughs> to see how she's going to feel about that. <laughs> I'm not. No catchphrase from me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is. I don't know that this is like super surprising. Like a intermittent appearances from her, I think makes sense. And also, like we've been Dave was saying at the very beginning of all the AEW reportage that their shows and you know uh, uh television tapings and stuff would be structured during the week so that you know people could go work big shows in Japan and shit all the time so that seems to fit in here um i don't know i don't know i don't think we have this later in here but there was also the news that they had they were building up to do B versus Tony Storm and stardom at the big Corican coming up and the WWE uh, basically made them not do that match because Tony Storm was going to lose to B and that would be a uh, NXT slash WWE talent losing to an AEW talent, um, which was pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah, because I haven't seen the other matches and I haven't read the spoilers somehow, but I'm guessing Tony didn't win every match that she had during Golden Week. So it's not that she can't lose. It's just that she couldn't lose to B Priestley. Right. Fascinating. But I, I don't know. I just, do you think they really want to fly B in from Japan? A little more expensive than flying her in from the I UK. I mean, they're probably flying Sheeta in from Japan because she's going to keep doing her uh, Makai shows, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the right name of it? Makai. Yeah. Makai. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought and... she was going to move to the US, though, and just go to Japan to do Makai. Well, Makai yeah. once a month. So that would seem at least logistically more appropriate. Yeah. Interesting. Although, you know, with somebody like B, she doesn't have to be on TV every week. Yeah. During an hour of TV show, she can show up once a month. Yeah, she could film stuff in Japan and send it over. Like how the Japanese tweet I saw that said intermittent activity, that's textbook intermittent activity. And I mean, they'll be dealing with OWE people who are going to be coming in from Shanghai and Japan as well. So there's right. there's going to be a lot of money spent on that credit card if Kenny Omega hasn't spent them all for fighter fest and this is a big roster and so i'm hoping that like what i've always what i've always wished wwe would do is you know i'm hoping we're not going to see everybody every week there's no gonna, yeah rotate people in and out of focus yes yeah. please so maybe there'll be a month we won't see b and then she'll be back although she's proving to be someone who can be a, a top star in stardom and so I, I hope that she will get that same shot in AEW. but we'll see all right Jimmy Havoc uh, finishing up with progress. I only mentioned this because we mentioned last episode about a lot of people seem to be finishing up. And there's some talk about whether AW talent, I mean, this isn't a source to anyone, but there's some talk about whether AW talent is being told that they have to finish up. Clearly some of them are, but uh, I don't really have enough here to say whether they're kind of keeping certain people from working the indies or what. Uh, we All we know is who's finishing up and who isn't. Yeah, I think what we can say is we would certainly hope the guys that are being full-time and not continuing to have the freedom to work other promotions are being uh, compensated and and taken care of well enough to make that uh, a a reasonable sort of uh, bargain that they can make. You know, uh, yeah, and there was was a speculation that, you know, maybe AEW's position on that had changed. I don't know that there was anything behind that speculation. Um, But, you know, 
Joey Janela just announced another GCW show with his name on it. So he's still doing that at this point. And it also could be that, you know, in Jimmy Havoc's case, especially, progress is obviously WWE affiliated. Good point. Also, it's in the UK and he's probably moving to the US. Right. So uh, with all the visa stuff, I think it's harder for these talents to live elsewhere, which maybe we should have mentioned with uh, relation to B. I think that's harder. And uh, that's one. And two, WWE, we see from the Tony Storm thing, is not going to you know, do anything that's kind of working with AEW or helping them in any way. So it may just be that Jimmy Havoc can't be contracted to AEW and still work in progress. Yeah, it seems like that we're starting to see the beginning bits of a Cold War. Love it. But well, that's funny. The stardom's the demilitarized zone, except now they are, you know, <laughs> WWE's exercising their power over match booking. Um, I mean, this most recent progress tournament had AEW guys, New Japan guys, NXT guys, WWE guys, um, and they just had the WWE guys win all of it. So, um, we'll probably see that uh, come to an end as far as other promotions playing nice with uh, progress, maybe. And didn't they do like a bunch of non finishes? Yeah, there was some crazy ass bullshit about like a match going to like double count out and they suddenly for a single elimination tournament that's one on one matches had a three way match, I guess. I have no idea. Like I just saw the results on Twitter and I was like, oh, sure. Go ahead. Progress. Yeah. Okay. It's extremely uh, WWE school booking there. Yeah. yeah, It's really punk rock booking, guys. All right. You got some OWE news for us? Yes, I do. So two big things of note. This was announced on Twitter that OWE now has an alliance with Smash Wrestling that is based in Toronto. This is interesting of note because it's considered a little bit easier for people to work in Canada. Like I've only known a few wrestlers get turned from the border going from the United States to Canada. So that's good for them. I mean, I definitely think that it's a time for some of these OWE Chinese students to get some more seasoning, get to wrestle with different kinds of people rather than the people that are constantly being brought into OWE. So that's cool. The other point that I thought was kind of interesting was that Smash Wrestling has had a pre-existing relationship with both Progress and WXW over the last few years, and they're even doing shows together over the summer, but apparently there is no constant recognition and all sides are cool with this happening. So that would be a kind of a cool thing that might be a, something going on with that, and we might in the future see some AW, AEW relations there. And then the other big piece of advice kind of is following up over the uh, big story of 2019 and visas and there was a post on QQ, which is a major social media site in China that was about the OWE and AEW relationship. And Queen's what is Queen. the, What? Sorry? Queen's Quest. Queen's Quest. Yes. It's no. the name of the site. Thank yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not referring to them as that. You, you know, I will not. I refuse. <laughs> but, uh, go down to the fucking Queens. No, 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 no. But so you, you completely made me lose my place here, Bentley. <laughs> sorry. New Year Monarchist views were going to throw me off right as I was going to get to the crux of this Chinese internet post. Right, there was a post on queensquest.net. I love posts. I, I mean, you love content. You you secretly hope there's no wrestling that's going to happen, Nate. Logs all the way down. Yeah. But anyways, so there's this post on the Chinese social media site that has another letter of invitation. Invitation. The invitation. Almost. Invitation. There we go. 
Boom. I'm proud of myself there. This is all Bentley's fault because he has to bring up. Yeah, I'm tilted, guys. But yeah, no, there's this letter of invitation that basically is what's needed from companies. To to go back to saying it again after after the first time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this letter, it's important (laughs) to get visas. And the the letter was issued by Christopher Daniels under his shoot name. And the person it was in... It was issued tour, towards was Mr. T. Cool, and it's over the weekend of Double or Nothing. So we still might see some Chinese students appearing. There, I finally got it out. No thanks to you two assholes. I'm done. Do you think Christopher Daniels knows that his email address is on Chinese social media? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to wager not. Yeah, yeah. Unless he's listening here, then now he knows. There you go. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> uh, you made it weird. This is getting goofy. All right. That's our uh, OWE corner. It's You're right. What you said earlier. It's wild that this has really become like all of our favorite things AEW has become. Well, it's even more wild to me because we have Shima side of Dragon System. We have Pac appearing, which is Dragon Gate proper. And then you get two guys that have been in and out and including one of the last students of Ultimo Dragon for me. So it's just like all Dragon System all the time here. I'm for it. A lot of Dragon System, a lot of Joshi, a lot of vlogs. So something for everybody. It's the holy trinity of pro wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) All right, speaking of vlogs, Nate, give us that BTE recap. Okay. Um, So I noticed that there were, uh, it seems like we have some new listeners that are perhaps not as familiar with these established characters on BTE. So I'm going to try and give a little bit of background on sort of the the storylines as they've developed to this point. Uh, since we're now really getting within striking distance of Double or Nothing. Uh, the episode has a opening, cold open, of Michael Nakazawa in a very dimly lit shower. Michael Nakazawa, of course, being uh, the guy that Kenny Omega hired from DDT or from Japan instead of Kota Ibushi, um, and who Matt Jackson has since become obsessed with uh, because Matt was uh, so upset that Kenny hired Michael Nakazawa. Uh, so he's oiling up in the shower. And he asks the camera to oil his back and it says, Matt, oil my back. Uh, and Matt, we cut to Matt, who's lying in bed, reaching out to take the oil to oil his back. And he says, Michael Nakazawa. He was dreaming about Michael Nakazawa oiling himself up in a dimly lit shower. So uh, that's sort of building to Fighter Fest, really, more so than Double or Nothing, probably. Because um, that's where uh, that's been going is, is Matt's obsession with Michael Nakazawa and Kenny's bad decision making. Uh, now we go to Cody, who's, again, what in what seems to be his home. He's reading this kid's book that he wrote, uh, and he's showing it around to the room as if he's reading to a bunch of children. But we pull back and we see it is uh, Penelope Ford, who is not a child. She is not having it. She uh, says to Cody, you know that I'm not a child. Uh, and she gets up and asks if Brandy is by the pool. So this is sort of uh, leading up to what we discussed earlier on Double or Nothing, where they were doing a... Bikini photo shoot just for kicks. So there's still nothing on the walls. Yeah. There's just like this one uh, couch where Cody's sitting. Uh-huh. Not even a seat for Penelope. <laughs> <laughs> no, sitting on the floor. But this is clearly where that pool is, right? It all That all goes together. Yeah, it seems like maybe they bought an empty house to shoot BTE segments in. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe that's just the kind of money we're talking about here. Man. Okay, uh, we go to Joey Ryan. Uh, he is at 
Disney. So this was, uh, I'm sure, a big pops for SB here. Um, I wasn't sure if this was Florida or California. I guess probably California. So um, I said, Sarah, they are at Disney. And she said, she was in another room. She said, Disney World or Disneyland? And I said, I'm pretty sure it's Disneyland because it's Joey Ryan. He's from California. Uh, and she was like, okay. She basically didn't care. Wow. But then what, I said, what if you had to- said Tokyo Disney Sea? Oh, she would have lost her fucking mind. So then she's <laughs> like, well, what are they doing? And I said, well, he's talking to uh, Mr. Toad. And she said, well, then they're definitely at Disneyland. So there you go. Is there no Mr. Toad at Disney World anymore? Apparently not. Huh. Okay. So Joey's uh, storyline, of course, is that people keep assaulting him at indie shows because they are trying to get the Young Bucks to come save him. Uh, and that will be how these people get the Young Bucks' attention to get hired by AEW. Um, so Joey has been looking for Candice LeRae to uh, bail him out, basically, because Candice was the one who carried him with the tag team um, and, you know, really was had his back. Uh, so he hugs Eeyore. He talks to a big Disney staff guy and he asks, where's that blonde girl at? Uh, and then, of course, like you said, he goes to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Uh, I don't know if she still is, but Candace used to be announced as from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Uh, so he goes to speak to Mr. Toad as though he was Candace's father and ask if she'd come home at any point. Uh, but had no luck finding Candace right here. Um, okay, so we've got Brandy and Penelope and Britt. They're having this pool day. Not the photo shoot here, but just lounging by the pool. Um, they decide to get some shots. So Penelope goes to get shots. Um, and when she goes to leave, Brandy goes to Britt and says, hey, I think you're going to win at Double or Nothing, that you're my pick in this uh, match between yourself and Kylie Ray and Nyla Rose. Um, so sort of a little politicking here by Brandy or something. This was like a little clumsy because you're like, is this like her as the booker saying this or is this supposed to be like I'm rooting for you or that's what that was. Uh, and then we go to pretty funny segment. Sammy Guevara is in Pakistan. Uh, I guess he had a show in Pakistan that he was booked for. Um, he is shirtless just because. Uh, and he's going, he, he runs through this big group of Pakistani fans and gives them all high fives. And um, he's just super fired up to be in Pakistan. There's like a Pakistani flag there. He does a backflip for no reason. And he's like, oh, thanks for bringing me to Pakistan. Thank you, guys. And then, of course, after he leaves, one of the Pakistani guys says, I hate that guy. This was the first time that I actually totally bought people hating Sammy Guevara. Why? He, to- he totally came off like a dick here. I thought he was kind of a dick just doing this. Just like doing backflips. I mean, yeah, he was popping the crowd. He was giving them what they want, his flips. Evidently, they didn't because they all hate him. So if you're new to the segment, of course, uh, Sammy Guevara keeps going and meeting people and being seemingly friendly and nice to them and um, you know, uh, making a little effort to brighten their day or whatever. And then the people just every time think he's a total asshole and, uh, you know, reveal that they hate him as soon as he leaves. Okay. We pull back from that shot and matches wa- Matt is watching that segment on the stair climber. Now he has come to agree with Nick Jackson. He, he decides that, uh, you know, poor Sammy Guevara is getting a bum rap here, which is correct. Okay, so Brandy and Britt and Penelope are now at the bar at their pool at their empty house. Um, Brandy asks if either Britt or Penelope can do a shooting star press uh, because she wants to do one. But you know who can't do one at all is Allie. So Brandy (laughs) is just totally shit talking Allie behind her back. Just wanted to find an excuse to talk shit about Allie. Um, Penelope, just being a shooter, is like, what the fuck is a demon bunny? Um, And then they go to take shots, but the shot glasses are empty. 
Uh, Brandy says that's because she's on a diet, so she's not taking any shots. So Brandy's this is uh, advancing sort of the Brandy is pretending to be nice to Allie story, but she uh, secretly is out to get her because of something that happened in Impact. I think Brandy is my favorite character on BTE. Yes, she was so great here. She's very funny. Yeah, big pop she for is. me. For she, that. she is uh, funny and entertaining, um, certainly more so here than in the MJF segments. All right, now we go. Now we're back at what was established as Kenny's house or something in Manitoba. And Cody is, again, sitting in his living room. And they're watching Gato move, which you can tell because there's no ring. So uh, take that, Casanova Valentine. Um, That's the right (laughs) name. Thank you. Great bit. Glad that got something. Uh, So there's no ring. It's just a bunch of people wrestling on like one of those old blue tumbling mats. Uh, And Kenny wants to know what Cody thinks of his old partner, who we're to believe is who they're watching. So Cody says, hey, she's elite. Uh, So this is where we conclude that it was Riho that they are looking to uh, add to all of the wrestling here. Really great bit, Nate. I'm I'm just not over it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Also, fix your audio balancing here. It was very out of whack here. Being the elite, fix it. Oh yeah, uh, I thought you were talking about me. Up. I'm like, oh fuck. No, no, y- y'all are perfect. Y- you, you, you are bells of the ball. However, <laughs> being the elite was terrible during this segment. I just there's programs that can automatically level things, or you can just do it yourself. It bothered it was a me. Bad episode for audio, I thought. Generally. Yeah, you know this. This bothers Mike a lot. I bet who it really bothers is Cody, because you can see kind of <laughs> Cody's vision on the road to shows. Yes, and then he's also participating in these shows, and you have to imagine he's like. Let's fucking make everything look like Road Two, please. That's that's my uh, my conception of Cody in my head. This was also funny because this is what at least three episodes in a row there have been segments from wherever Cody and Kenny are. Yeah, supposedly Canada. Right. So whenever they were together, they filmed like a bunch of this stuff, mm-hmm. including this Rio segment. So I mean, it, it all kind of goes together with that that's been in the works for a little while. Yes, and it's also just like. Oh yeah, it's like efficient to like shoot things in bulk and then we can, you know, piecemeal them out over a period of weeks. It's like we have forethought and we actually wrote, you know, weeks and months down the line. All right. Um da, 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 da. all right. Adam Page, he returns from running 17 miles. He, of course, is trying to get full gear ready uh because Pac is super ripped and he's wrestling Pac, so he wants to have abs that are as good as Pac's. He gets back to the door and there's a package at his door and he wonders if it's some samples from Kenny. Didn't know what that referred to. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a letter from the bastard Pac. Um, and he sent him some juice to get full gear ready. I put juice here. What he actually pulls out is Michael's secret stuff, which of course is the uh, placebo that they give to Michael Jordan in Space Jam after he loses his tune powers, I believe. Um, so this is again, the Young Bucks love Michael Jordan in Space Jam. Um, so Paige is not going to drink the secret stuff at first, but then he can't resist. He turns around and starts drinking the secret stuff and he rips his shirt off Hulk Hogan style. The shirt rip was like a fun twist there and popped me pretty big. I appreciated him doing 17 miles in gym shorts and cowboy boots. I think that's a strong look. What did he have boots on? I didn't notice that. Yeah, totally oh, did. Uh, I appreciated, uh, Pac not being able or not being afraid to lean into the suggestion that maybe he's use steroids in his life yeah a lot of uh yeah a lot of uh mid-breath action here i mean he's a little guy you know (laughs) and he's a big guy yeah 
I don't think he's eaten a carb in the past seven years, to be I, fair. Yeah, I feel confident about that. Yeah. I mean, I saw him before Dragon Gate and after Dragon Gate, and Dragon Kid set him on the right way. <laughs> okay, so now we get Bryce Rimsburg, who's backstage at some show. Sound here was not good. We love Bryce, we think, but uh, uh, Cody did a better job explaining the Casino Battle Royale. Um, so we get the rules here again, but again, this was just done better in Rose of Double or Nothing. Um, so he kind of at the end, like, I think, fucks it up and walks out frustrated. I don't know. Sort of tuned out there. Yeah, All I right. think, uh, especially now that we know this is going to be on the pre-show, it makes sense that this is not going to be an hour-long yeah. match. No, no single-person entries, just getting everybody out there in big groups. Yeah, and it's what, three minutes, so they can get this whole thing done in 30 minutes if they want. All right, now we've got uh, SCU is at OWE. Of course, we discussed last week that they went to China and wrestled with OWE there and met with the students and stuff. Uh, so they're cutting a promo just in China in front of the OWE uh, logo. And Christopher Daniels, of course, notes that, you know, we're coming together with OWE in the spirit of partnership, but when it comes down to it, a double or nothing, you guys are going to be competition. Uh, and we're going to kick your ass, basically. Um, and Kaz also notes here that T-Hawk and Nolan Demand are Shima's partners. And now we go to the Young Bucks. They claim that they were driving by and they saw just a ring built in the parking lot of what the store is, Comic Cult HD in Asperia, California. Um, so they decide, hey, we're trying to get in ring shape for Pentagon and Phoenix. Um, if you haven't been watching the previous episodes, uh, the Young Bucks are worried that they're not in ring shape because they haven't been hitting the road every week, whereas Pentagon and Phoenix are wrestling three or four times a week, so they've been trying to work out and shit. Uh, so they have some random guy there who they're going to kick his ass in order to get into shape. Um, so they start off with some hiccups. They do their little chipping spots, uh, but eventually start getting it together. Um, we have Brandon Cutler now takes the camera he of course is the bucks old friend from their backyard days and a wrestler in his own right but notably is uh, seemingly like their uh third man here for bte and shooting stuff um and he takes the camera but he misses whatever big move it is that matt jackson does which kills their opponent um matt says yeah you know i might be bringing back a big move here for the first time in a while at double or nothing uh so they're doing a little tease here that matt's got a new move and it killed somebody but we didn't see what it was all right, now we get the Southern Honor wrestling footage again. Uh, I thought it was interesting here that they cut out Kenny's music because when he entered, they did play his music, but it is, it is of course, his New Japan theme, so they cut it out here for the show. Um, the funny part I thought here was Kenny Omega was like selling for this random local heel. Um, but since we, I guess we didn't go through the mechanics of it on the Double or Nothing part, uh, Chris Jericho came out of the Southern Hardcore Wrestling show, attacked Sunny Days with a chair, I guess because he's pissed at Cody um, because of course, Cody made Sunny days, dreams come true by putting him in the battle Royal and Chris and Cody are building toward a feud after the uh, Jericho versus Kenny match. So uh, that's sort of my head cannon for why Chris Jericho is attacking Sunny days here. Beats the shit out of him with the chair, but we get the lights go out. Lights come on. Kenny's in the ring. Kenny attacks Chris Jericho. Uh, the random heel runs in and uh, interferes to save Jericho. Then basically the whole locker room's uh, empty and go into this big brawl. 
Uh, I looked up who was on this card, and it was pretty funny who was in this uh, in this brawl. It was like Shannon Moore and Corey Hollis and the Lynch Mob and the Ugly Ducklings and all these people who, um, you know, uh, would go over big with Dylan Hales or something. Corey Hollis is the only good Southern wrestler. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so now we've got uh, the Bucks uh, going back to the Bucks in California where they're leaving this ring where they're working out. Uh, Kenny texts them, so they listen to the text in their car. This was kind of a funny uh, conceit, again, just for how to get this information across. Like, you, you know, when you have, like, amateur people shooting stories the way that you would probably do this nine times out of ten, and, pro- you know, to be fair, probably the way they would do this nine times out of ten is Kenny would call them and they would have a fake conversation on the phone. So, you know, just a little, you know, clever twist here to instead have Kenny be texting them while they're driving and have it be read out over their car's audio system. Uh, so Kenny, you know, texts him and says, hey, I text Chris Jericho and <laughs> crying with laughter emoji. Uh, and now he's going to Daytona. He's going to go hang out with Ja Rule. That, of course, is uh, building the Fighter Fest where he is mirroring Fire Fest. Um, and then we get the absolute highlight of this episode. Uh, the Bucks get a ransom note to Nick's email. So Nick opens up this ransom note and we see it. Uh, it's the best friends, very obviously the best friends, but they are all blurred out in the center of the screen. So we can't actually see their faces. Um, Trent says, you don't, you know who we are. No, he says, you don't know who we are and you don't know why we're here. This is a quote of when Razor Ramon first appeared on WCW Nitro, which goes to them mirroring the outsiders invading Nitro in their full denim. Um, which I thought was some cute continuity. Uh, so they have a demand, the best friends. They are not doing the Battle Royal. Dustin gets fired up. He says he's going to kill their whole families. Uh, Trent says, dude, you can't say that. And they start pushing each other. And as they're pushing each other, they push each other out of the blurred part of the thing so you could very, very clearly see who they are. This is just a funny bit. Um, and they, it becomes more and more obvious who these guys are because they're <laughs> yelling at each other. Uh, and doing this threatening ransom video. Uh, so then Brandon's head pops up in the back of the car with the young bucks. He says, I don't want to spoil it, but I, I think I know who sent this video. So pretty funny line read from Brandon Color here. Actually made me laugh. Uh, and that was the episode. Yeah, I was laughing through this whole uh, segment. It was very good. Yeah, th- this was well done. I thought that Brandon Cutler was great on it. And I loved how very obvious it was. And I think, do you think that Chuck Taylor is pulling his same character that he was doing at the tail end of New Japan, where he was just like the loose weapon, I guess? I mean, just kind of losing it all the time? Um, no, this seems more like classic Chuck to me, where he yells things in the ring, like, I'm going to kill you, just to get a pop, because it's kind of funny and a non sequitur. That's fair. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously this is leading to them getting a, a tag match at Double or Nothing. Yeah, or leading to something, which again, like I previously discussed, they're in this battle royal, we think, or battle royale. But, uh, you know, they obviously have something else planned for them uh, in the near future. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Very good. (laughs) Okay. Anything else uh, from you guys? No. Nothing else from me. That was a lot of info that I think we breezed through pretty efficiently, so... Yeah, very, very news heavy day here. So uh, not a lot of time for tangents, but no, not a lot of goofing off. Uh, which uh, no, there was enough that set me off here. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we did make fun of Mike. So it was at least good for that. Oh, yes. I can't believe that this is gonna be my role in the show. I don't want to be the guy getting goofed on. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's well, next fine. week It can be me. Okay. All right. I, uh, I will make no such volunteering. I know you won't, but we'll make fun of you anyway. 
So make sure you subscribe to the show so you can hear us making fun of Nate next week. You can subscribe to the Everything Elite feed or the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network feed. Uh, if you're on iTunes, go give us that five-star review. Give us a nice little some nice little words, nice little things you say about us. We'd appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter at Everything AEW. You can follow each of the hosts of Everything Elite on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. And Mike is at Fujiheya. Nailed it. Nailed it. Proud okay. of you. Thank you. Uh, I think that's everything for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm not sure if the Double or Nothing preview will be next week or the week after that, but you'll find out if you listen. So make sure you do that. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.